my big thing is focusing on the little wins and little changes is because I have people who will come in and they want to radically shift their whole life overnight and just completely flip it and change it. And when they do that, it lasts a week and then they go back to the same old thing. And so it's taking the time to change things little at a time until it literally becomes a habit. And when you take it slower, that gives you time to notice what beliefs are coming up, what resistance is coming up, and you leave that space in your world to be able to look into it and deal with it and figure out where that belief came from. Yeah. And and so... And, and then when you celebrate those little wins, a lot of people, um, in my perspective, look at, I think, successful people and they think that it happened overnight or it happened in this one giant jump and it didn't. It happened because they showed up over and over and over right. and over and over again. And so those little wins and focusing on, on the, the minor changes. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today, Paul welcomes two guests on the show, Kirsty and Michael Pratt. Michael is a living example of a healthy transformation. He used to weigh 250 pounds and suffered from depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, and had bodily aches and pains all over. While implementing the six foundation principles he learned through his studies at the Czech Institute, he rebuilt his body and mind and reconnected to his soul to live the life he loves pain-free. He now pursues a career as a holistic practitioner licensed through the Czech Institute in an effort to help others cultivate better health, more love, happiness, and balance in their lives. Kirsty is a former world-class athlete competing in the sport of American Ninja Warrior and obstacle competitions. She found out as she rose to high success what true health and happiness means after having a marriage fall apart and suffering from GI issues, back pain, anxiety, and depression. Kirsty is now a holistic lifestyle coach level three and a Czech practitioner level two, and she coaches clients to achieve happiness and health, as well as running her self-mastery membership program with her partner, Michael. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a warm review at the top of the show page on Spotify or at the bottom of the show page if you are listening on Apple Podcast. Your opinions matter and your ratings help us to grow and help more people to be healthy, find freedom of body and mind, and to live their dreams. A big thank you to our sponsors by Optimizers, Paleo Valley, Organifi, and our newest sponsor, Ned. Their support is essential in producing this podcast, and we hope you will show your support by visiting them online and trying all the amazing products they produce. And now over to Paul, Kirsty, and Michael as they talk about becoming a health ninja. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check, And I have some cool guests for you today. I've been waiting to share for you for quite a while. Our topic today is becoming a health ninja. I'm excited to share my favorite health ninjas today, Kirsty and Michael Pratt. Welcome, you guys. Thank Thanks you for so us. much. I am grateful to be here. We're here all the time, but <laughs> you, you know. You'll find out what she means by that soon. But anyhow... Um, I thought your journey is a very exciting story. It's a real hero's journey. I think most everyone listening to will be able to relate to in some way. And in my preparation for our podcast, I just had this strange feeling. I've always known what ninjas were, we all do, but I wanted to know what the meaning of the word was. So I looked it up and I was really surprised. The word ninja breaks down to nin, which means preserve, and ja means person. So our health ninjas are all about preserving the person. 
So what we're going to do today is explore Kirsty's rise to stardom as a TV ninja warrior and Michael's very important role in supporting Kirsty and Michael's own journey of self-healing, as well as their journey into the body, mind, and spiritual aspects of well-being. And we're going to explore Michael and Kirsty's new self-mastery online training program, which is designed to be very effective and as affordable as possible, so anybody that wants to can become a preserved person, a health ninja. So um, just to give you a touch of preface here, uh, it was over a year ago now that you guys came. Yeah. Coming up on two. Yeah, two in really? July, I believe. Mm-hmm. I knew it was over a year, so yeah, it wasn't yeah. too far off. Kirsty and Michael came all the way out here from St. Louis, right? Yep. yep. To attend a Zen in the Garden workshop. They had put everything in their trailer and were only supposed to be on a road trip that never ended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As fate would have it, we lost our nanny uh, shortly before they got here, and we couldn't find a nanny that we thought was suitable for our children, and Penny and Angie were getting frustrated because we kept going through interviews, and I just dawned on me. I said, you know, Kirsty and Michael want to stay in San Diego area for a while, and, and I don't think they're really doing too much. Maybe they want to make some extra money. Why don't you give them a call? So Angie looked at me and she goes, that's a good idea. And here we are almost two years later and you guys have been working with us ever since. Yep, getting more entangled along the way. Uh Uh-oh. Absolutely. (laughs) The reason I'm telling you this is because I've had almost two years to experience Kirsty and Michael's wisdom and skills. And Michael's also a chef. And when we lost a chef for a while, Michael... You were cooking for us for, what, several months, weren't you? Yeah, about uh, almost six months. Almost six months, yeah. And then um, Kirsty and Michael used to take care of the kids and educate them and condition them. And because of their background in ninja warrior training and parkour and things like that, Michael set up a beautiful, uh, you've got a bunch of a parkour kind of training devices for jumping on and off of and doing angler stuff and balance beam stuff and set up a whole course and then we got a ninja warrior training uh, system down there for the kids and strung it up between the trees we got trampoline and playgrounds and all sorts of stuff for the kids so uh, and I also you know asked both of them but since Michael took that job over I said I don't want you to just keep them busy I want you to educate them so I had Michael taking apart electric motors and whatever else. So Monica's Simona likes to take everything to pieces. And so I thought, well, maybe Michael can at least tell him what's going on in there because Michael also has a background as a service technician, so he actually knows what's inside of these things. So the uh, Kirsty and Michael really became our kids' caretakers and educators so that Penny and Angie and I can focus on the things we got to do to keep the bills paid. It was just such a great relief for all of us because uh, we had a lot of nannies that would get, you know, they'd do good for three weeks and they're on their phones and not paying attention. That would irritate Mana real bad and, and just not good. So it was so great. We were so grateful to have someone that was really attentive to the kids. And had, you guys also had experience educating and conditioning kids. So you, it wasn't a new thing to you. But, you know, the, the reason for the podcast is to talk about your journey because Kirsty you reached you know as high as you can go on television as the champion female ninja warrior so we're going to get into all that and michael was there with her 
all the way, and, and they're both amazingly skilled in the gym. So can you give us a summary of your ninja competition experience and how you ultimately let this led to you and Michael um, kind of, how did it get started? Maybe, you know, what's your background? How did you, what brought you to even wanting to be a ninja warrior? Because yeah. that's kind of an unusual thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting journey. You know, it's, it's funny because originally I was actually going to college to be a middle school teacher, nothing to do with athletics. You know, I was athletic my entire life. I grew up in a heavy Catholic, you know, household. So performing was definitely on the docket, but have you recovered? Uh, I like to think so, but we're covering every single day. Anytime okay. something comes up, it's a new thing to work on. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it was interesting because when I was getting out of high school, I actually had a stress fracture in my L4, L5 mm. uh, disc. So it, it What was that from? Um, that was from malnutrition, improper weightlifting. That was from psychological stress. I was going to college part-time, high school part-time. I was running and tr running in track. And then I was also working like 30 hours a week. So mm. I was constantly running myself, which was a deep program from my childhood of needing to do, needing to perform, needing to be enough, go, 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 go. And so in my senior year transitioning into college, this, the sport aspect took me out. I was not aware of your institute. I was not aware of six foundational principles, you know, your core conditioning. And what ended up happening is I took that year off and took that year off from sports. I was actually in college going on a double major, middle school teacher, be math and history. And what ended up happening is one summer as I was doing extracurricular curricular activities because I was getting that double major trying to do it within the four years. That performer again trying to get it all done and I noticed the show on American Ninja Warrior and I remember watching it as a kid. It actually came from Japan which was Sasuke mm. and I remember watching it when I was a little kid of all the, watching these people climb on things and I was like I could do that mm -hmm. no problem whatsoever and what ended up happening is I, I looked up how old you had to be to compete and you had to be 21. Oh, really? You had to be 20. At that time, you had to be 21. I think they've lowered it way down to like 15 years old now. Oh. But at that point in time, you had to be 21 years old to compete. And I was turning 21 like in two months. And oh. so I started, I started Googling different gyms and trying to figure out which ones. And because it was still very new, there was actually only one gym in the area. A few gyms that I went to, they thought that I was actually asking for my child to go do Ninja Warrior. Uh -huh. And I was like, no, it's for me. And uh, when I ended up going to this gym, I, I, you know, I brought Michael along with me and, and it was very humbling. Yeah, <laughs> It was very humbling to say the least. So as soon as I started trying the obstacles, I couldn't even do a pull-up at that point. Yes, I was super athletic, but I had a background in soccer and a background in golf. And so I'm doing all these obstacles and I couldn't do shit. Uh -huh. <laughs> and, and I fell in love. I fell in love because it was this playing. It was this grabbing. It was, it was making movement fun, especially after someone who came off playing select soccer and then high performing in golf and constantly going from all these different sports. It brought a, a play aspect to it. And then I just fell in love from there. And because women in that sport were just barely making it in, it was like, ooh, I could be something. Ooh, I could make a name for myself. And as a year goes by with my training, 
because I fell in love with it is I ended up I ended up coming on my fourth year of college deciding that I wanted to quit college and pursue ninja full-time and make this my big jam. How did your parents feel about that? <laughs> mm. My my parents wanted me to finish college. Of course. Uh, my father was not impressed. No. He was not impressed at all because the owner of the gym was actually a Czech practitioner. And that was the first time that I was introduced to the Czech principles. And so I was like, I can be this Czech practitioner. I can teach ninja. And Michael and I was actually a month after we got married and we went to my parents' house and we sat on the couch and we're like, so this is what we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get married. We're not going to go to college. We're going to join some institute that nobody knows about and we're going to win the ninja competition. (laughs) That's the perfect formula for getting a parent very scared. Oh, yes. They're probably like, okay, what drug is she using? (laughs) Yes, yes. He was not happy at all and pretty much thought that that I was like going to be a complete dropout and failure and, and stuff like that. And that's just a lot of, you know, the Catholic programming in there of that, you know, this is what my daughter is and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And um, my mom came around. My dad eventually came around. But once I quit, I went full time into training myself, training others, training kids, training adults, and and putting all that aspect in there. And when when I was at that point in my ninja career, I had already competed. I had already competed once, which which I let the nerves get the better of me and I fell really early. So that fueled the fire for the second year. And that was probably a little bit of the itching to quit and do it full time. Mm. And when, when we quit, Michael and I started traveling all over the country, going into as many competitions as we could, going up against all the competitors that we could. And it was finally coming up to that season where it was season eight of American Ninja Warrior. And I ended up making it to Vegas that year. And at that point, I ranked as the third top female at that point. And so they have this also side competition run by the same people called Ninja vs. Ninja, where they run side by side. Mm. And that was coming a few months later. So I'm like, okay, I'm hungry. I just placed third at this ninja competition. And now I'm going to race. Well, what ended up happening is I was racing the top female in the sport on my first run with this. And so I was like, fuck it. I don't have anything to lose. Mm. People think I'm going to lose. Like, I'm just going to go completely crazy to the wall. <laughs> like, <laughs> And she does so too. If you find it on YouTube, you'll see it. I mean, it's great. There's, I mean, she just powers through this course. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. great. What ended up happening is we took off and... I ended up, I was beating her a good chunk of the way and, you know, ended up coming down to the wall. Her shoes were wet and ended up going over the wall and hitting the buzzer. And I just went ballistic at that point, you know, coming to be the top female um, ninja warrior at that point. And it was satisfying for a moment and then, and then slowly faded, which, you know, we'll get into later. But that was heavily my journey. But the big thing about that is I wasn't living the Czech principles when I was competing. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, I, I, I was burning out. There were numerous times when I had nerve pain down my arm. I had GI issues. I had a lot of bodily aches and pains throughout that, that journey, but still climbing to the top. It wasn't in the cleanest way, but mm-hmm. we got there. And, and thankfully I had Michael along the journey with me because he was always my cameraman. And you can hear in a lot of the videos on YouTube, he's going, breathe, <laughs> breathe. Yeah. It's important, you know. 
breathe pain. Yeah. 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 So that was the major transition over to Ninja. And and then we just kind of took it from there and then ran some gyms, which we'll get into. But, but you stayed as the champion for a while, didn't you? It was I was the champion for about a year and a half because you have about you have about competitions that you can go around the United States and it's actually reached into Australia now and Canada now and and held that title for a while and it was building up to that point and and it's neat because you it's it's a game man you don't people think that you get a like test the obstacles and try the obstacles they don't know that you only get to watch someone go through it and then you're filming in the middle of the night so you're running at 2 30 oh, in the really? morning why are they doing that it's better lighting. for lighting is what they say oh my god that's yeah. so antagonistic to yeah. the athlete's well-being and performance yeah so like leading up to competitions i would try and stay up super late just so i could try to acclimatize yeah keep my cortisol levels up to the point to where I could heavily compete in the middle of the night at that. And then I held that for about a year and a half until my season nine, which was not a, was not a pretty season of, of how things went down with that. And that put a lot of um, reality in my face of the choices I was making in my life and reality in my face of this is a reality TV show first and a competition second. And that's how they're going to make it for people. You mean that the theatrical elements are more important than the actual athletic competition? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. it's first a TV show and 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 not, and second a real competition. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was kind of the big transition into that. And you know, it was beautiful because we ran a lot of we ran two different gyms at the time and and trained a lot of people in that. But it it was quite the transition over. Now, Michael, during this time, you were obviously uh, doing a lot to support Kirsty. Were you running some of these races yourself, or were you just supporting her, or how were you doing that? Honestly, I was just supporting her. Um, I wasn't overly interested in competing. My style of competing, I wanted to be physical with people. I wanted to you know, play football. I wanted to play baseball, things like that. So Ninja Warrior didn't overly call to me in the beginning, mm -hmm. and I knew that if she was going to be successful, um, she needed other people in her corner that we're constantly going to be giving her the right advice, mm -hmm. you know, and telling her things that she needs to know versus, you know, trying to make her feel better. Yeah. Not that I intentionally, you know, meant to feel, made her feel bad, but just hitting her in the face with some realities of like, if you don't breathe when you're going through these obstacles, you're going to faint and you're going to fall off the obstacles. What happens if you faint and then you fall into the water? You were also going through your own health journey. What, what was your inner process and what did you were you dealing with well looking back at it um i essentially turned kirsty into my mother you know i made her in the mother archetype for quite a few different things um and i really relied on her to push me into the areas that i needed to go to to succeed because at the time i was a service technician and i was falling in line with your traditional keep up with the joneses type of attitude you know we got the house we got the nice car we got the picket fence i have the stable job with insurance and a pension until i realized that this this habit was starting to make me i started i didn't know how big i was getting uh weight wise and i started just feeling awful all the time um i fell into depression i had tons of anxiety i had lots of skin issues gi issues um constipation um, I just, I wasn't very good to myself. About the same time, Kirsty's last season that she didn't do so well on, um, 
that was also, we were having a little bit of marital problems. Mm -hmm. And during that time, that's when I had a reflection of, I'm 100% of 50% of this relationship. She's 100% of 50% of her part of that relationship. And I wasn't showing up. And in order for me to show up and love her the way I wanted to love her, I need to figure out how to love myself. Mm. And that that really helped push me in the the direction of taking responsibility for my health. Um, because if I wasn't healthy, I wasn't going to be here very much longer. So when you say loving yourself, what how, how did you go about doing that? Because that's a question many people have. How do I love myself? They don't really know have a concept for that. And Unfortunately, Catholicism is full of that mm. yeah. self-denial and self-flagellation and the body's dirty and all that. You, were you raised Catholic too? I was the son of uh, two youth pastors. My father and my mother were co-youth pastors. Okay, that explains why you have a hard time loving yourself. So how did you transition? What, did it, what, what was the approach to loving yourself? Um, I started to no longer care what people authentically thought of me. I was already in a shape where it's like, okay, people are going to say what they're going to say regardless. I need to start making decisions for myself. Good job. And that looked like getting to bed before 10 o'clock. I would stay up late night playing video games, watching you know, football, baseball, whatever it was. Um, so in, a, in that service industry, it's a very neurologically demanding job because I'm troubleshooting mentally. Mm-hmm. It's also very physically demanding because I was a part of almost every install and I ran a good amount of the installs myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so from a sleep deprivation standpoint, that wasn't looking good. I was in a very dangerous job uh, and I needed to have my senses about me. Um, and then water, I really I really latched on to water and correcting my sleep. Mm. And the water really helped, um, I feel, bring down a lot of inflammation. Mm-hmm. And then Kirsty said, you know, you may have a gluten intolerance. And uh, at that time I was also drinking a lot and Budweiser was my, you know, drug of choice at the time. Your water of choice? Yeah. <laughs> she goes, just stay off of gluten for two weeks and then reintroduce it into your system and then see what it's like. And so I was like, you know what? It's two weeks. I can handle that. So I pulled gluten out of my diet and I felt better within four days. Yeah. Uh, I was struggling with a lot of anxiety and depression. And during the time I was off gluten, um, I didn't have nearly as much anxiety. I didn't have nearly as much depression and, and negative talk to myself, Mm -hmm. you know, telling myself I'm stupid if I misdiagnosed something on the job wrong, Um, telling myself you're not good enough, Kirsty's way, way out of your league, you don't deserve her. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are the things um, that I was telling myself that wasn't doing a great job of loving myself. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I realized just how good I felt on that, that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to start taking the Czech Institute stuff a little bit more serious. And I started implementing the rest of the principles in my life. And within one year, I went from weighing 250 pounds to 163 pounds. That's quite good. And I've kept it off ever since. And that was back in what, 2018 when I started that journey? Yep, 2018. Um, and it's only it's only helped to this day. The reason it helps is because it works. It does work. <laughs> As you know. Yes. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I bet you're like most people out there, and you have a hard time getting a deep, restful sleep consistently and regularly. And I'm one of those guys, not because there's anything wrong with me, but because I got so much going on, and I'm trying to do so much in the world, and I'm so passionate about things, I can't seem to stop creating at night. So sometimes I need a sleep aid, and I've just had a really hard time finding a good one until now. 
I came across Ned's sleep formula and wow, has it been helpful and it is super high quality, so high quality. I wanted to make sure you guys knew about it and could try it out. So I've got Adrian, the co-founder and one of the formulators for Ned to tell us more about how this amazing product works and why it is so unique. So Adrian, dial us in on this amazing product you guys have created. Yeah, well, I don't know about you, Paul, but man, is it hard to have a good day after a bad night's sleep. Amen. Sleep is literally the number one thing we can do to take care of ourselves. Yet so many of us experience issues falling asleep, staying asleep, or both. Yes. Our research showed us that most sleep aids, whether pharmaceutical or even the quote-unquote natural solutions like melatonin, actually disrupt circadian rhythm and perpetuate sleep issues in the long run. And that's not even mentioning some of the addictive nature of these things and the long list of side effects from these conventional solutions. So that's when we got together with our expert team of formulators to craft what we consider the ultimate natural alternative to conventional sleep aids that really is aimed to give us better days after better nights. So it has become our all-time best-selling product. We call it Ned Sleep Blend. It features organic full-spectrum hemp and organic botanicals like lemon balm, passion flower, and skullcap all sourced through our Farm to Net Alliance, which we designed to procure the best botanical ingredients available that actually work, while also supporting independent, organic, regenerative farmers across America. And thank you for that. That's important. Yeah, so important. And it also includes a little recognized but powerful minor cannabinoid called CBN that is being recognized as one of the most effective natural sedative compounds available. So all these elements combined means you sleep deeper, longer, and wake up refreshed, all without the nasty side effects. So it's available in both tincture and vegan capsules. All you have to do is go to helloned.com and use the code CHECK, that's C-H-E-K, to get 15% off your first purchase. Plus, every order is backed by our 60-day stress-free guarantee. So if you don't feel a significant improvement in your sleep, We'll give you your money back, no questions asked. Awesome. I can't wait for you guys to try it. I absolutely love the stuff. I'm super excited to be able to share this product with you. So give it a try. Kirsty, I understand that uh, working in the TV industry came with some real challenges for you. Can you give us an overview of the kinds of challenges being a TV personality and athlete brings and how both of you ultimately work through the challenge that you were challenges you were guys were dealing with and um, how did these challenges impact your relationship yeah that's uh that's a good one because it's so it's so big um when when i was going on television i was heavily looking for people to tell me I was good enough. And I didn't know how the TV industry worked at that point. Right. Um, I was very naive. <laughs> well, to, you were young. To the ways. And so you come into the interview and they're like, you know, hey, Kirsty, we want you, we want you to say this. And because at that point I had this need for outside validation for people to tell me I was enough because at that point I didn't feel like I was enough, which was a big driving force for me to be so good competitively because I thought when when I got there, people would tell me I was enough is they would just say, hey, say these scripts and I would say them right away and say these scripts and I would say them right away. And I wasn't realizing 
that what I was doing was continually putting on this, these masks and, you know, for these people, I'm this, for these people, I'm this, for these people, I'm this. And, and it started to link to the rest of my life. And it, and it took a complete spiraling out in, in my life. It took me having an affair, stepping out, having an affair. It took me spiraling out in job. It took me, I was starting to drink really heavily because I didn't know how to deal with this stuff. And at this point, I was already IMS two level. And this was a big deal because it was realizing like you can take the knowledge, you can take the Czech Institute knowledge, but if you don't apply it, it's not going to do anything to your world. Yeah. Just for the listeners, that's integrated movement science level two. So it's in the Czech Academy structure. That's the second year of training. Yeah. And, and so it was a really big hit of reality of, me continuing to look for this outside validation for them to tell me I'm enough. And and it took until that coming off of my season nine, which is where I didn't want to get too heavily into it in the beginning, is because that was when the spiraling out started to happen. In season nine, what happened is I had the producer tell me that, hey, you need to go as fast as you can because at this point in time, there was this obstacle called crank it up and you jump onto it and you kind of crank your hands up and it, it moves up with the bars. And once you get to the top, it kind of slams down. I've seen that one. Yeah. And you lache over. And and what they do is they only take a hundred contestants per qualifying region. And at that point I was number 87 to run. And so no females have gotten to that point. So I had a producer say, Hey, Kirsty, we need you to run as fast as you can to get there so we can make sure that you get through to it. Well, what ended up happening is I ended up hitting on the third obstacle. I ended up hitting, it was like this balance obstacle. It's called broken bridge. It's a rolling log with looks to be a bozu ball in the middle and then a rolling log again. And as I started rolling the log, like running across the rolling log, I hit on my belly, which they said you could get up. I got up, ran across. No lights were red, which is what usually tells you when you're off the course. So I get on, I get on the obstacle, I go through it. And, and on the last part of the crank it up, my grip just gives and I don't make it through and I slam in the water. But at that point, I'm really excited because I'm like, I got there in a minute. I'm the fastest time. And then they bring me over to a screen and they have the side interview girl and they go, all right, Kirsty, so you see that screen right there. And I'm like, yeah, you know, super excited. They're like, all right, so you used your foot right there. So you are disqualified. How does that make you feel? And I was like, what do you mean? How does that make me feel? And at that point, that's when it hit and realized they will manipulate TV in any way they want for more viewership. Mm-hmm. And they don't necessarily care who you are mm-hmm. or what you do as long as you're bringing them money. And at that point in my life, I started to realize how many more people I was putting in front of me living in that all we I mentality mm-hmm. instead of the I we all. And that took that effect all the way through my entire life. And that took me four more months to figure out, to sit there in pain, four more months to sit there in pain before I started to do something about it. And I let the pain teacher get so loud. And that's when I started to go, Kirsty, think you can't just learn the knowledge. You have to apply the knowledge. And that's when I started to be like, okay, what am I eating? Mm -hmm. I'm eating commercialized food. I'm eating chemically sprayed food. I'm eating, I'm drinking alcohol. 
I'm not getting to bed on time. I'm overworking out. I'm I'm literally so catabolic and so broken down that my body is just screaming yes. for a rest and screaming to be yin. And as soon as I started to implement those principles, again, just like Michael, and it's, it's interesting because it was very parallel to each other. I looked fit, but I wasn't healthy. If that's what I call the fit sick person, you know mm-hmm. that. Exactly. Yeah. And so as soon as I started transitioning my lifestyle, I was like, holy shit, I guess Paul's on to something here. It works. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes the country boys know what they're up to. It was interesting because it made me just realize what am I doing? Who am I living my life for? Why am I choosing to continually try and get validated by people who, who don't even care about what happens to me left or right when I need to validate myself and I need to be happy with who I am. And at that point, I was not happy with the choices I was making, who I was being, how I was acting to other people. And when I started implementing it, my my entire world started to shift and change. That's good. That's radically. Important. Yeah. Just for the listeners, the when she referred to herself living the all we I model, that's a model of um, relationship that I developed uh, due to being a therapist. So many people that had the same kind of Abrahamic religious programming and the religions of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam program people for reasons of profit that everything they do should be for the all, which represents a lot of other people, which is also a code word for the church. So you give everything to the church, which is how they got so rich. Um, and so if you orient yourself to the all, that becomes first, what am I doing for the world or for the church? Then only then do you worry about your personal relationships. So people will make commitments to the church to do this or to do that or to do community this or that while their relationships are breaking down, such as spousal and parental relationships. And then only when they're in pain and suffering from a disease do they actually start paying attention to what they need. So that's called externalization of the self. You identify yourself in what you're doing for other people, but you end up losing yourself in the process, and it leads to a lot of anxiety and depression and suicide, unfortunately, and drug abuse and addiction. And so in my teachings, I teach the I-we-all model. First, you've got to love yourself enough to have something to share, and you can only bring into a relationship what you've already cultivated within yourself. You can't give love to someone else that you don't have for yourself. It's impossible. You can only write rubber checks, which then leads to resenting the person, because ultimately what you end up doing is you project your love out for the other person, but on the inside there's a little voice saying, well, shit, how come I'm loving him and supporting him and doing his laundry or dishes or whatever, or why am I going to work for this girl, and blah, blah, blah. So you get all this internal dialogue, and so often that leads to breast cancer in women because they start resenting the very people they love, like their own children and their own husband and their own family, because they're killing themselves for other people and telling themselves that they don't deserve or making their excuses about why they don't have time to do the things that they really want to do, which is often, you know, exercising or having a moment to watch a TV show just for them or sit and read a book or something that fills their soul, right? So um, 
this is this is extremely problematic in in Catholicism because mm-hmm. of the structure of the religion and the orientation of the religion, but it's also very heavy, heavily present in Judaism and Islam because I've rehabilitated countless people from all these religions in my career, as you guys well know. So that that's a real uh, problem even to this very, very day, and it leads to the kind of crisis that you were going through. And that's exactly what, what happened. When I, when I got to the top and I got that thing that I thought was going to fulfill me and right. finally tell me it was enough, I became more depressed yep. and more anxious. Because mm-hmm. where do you go from there? And then it was, and then it was a complete spiral down. Yeah. It was a spiral down. This is the standard story of the movie star, the rock star. You know, they reach the top and they're empty. So yeah. they next thing yeah. you know, they got to try some kind of kinky sex. That doesn't work. So then they got to go deeper into the drugs. That doesn't work. Then they have all the money they can spend and they're still empty inside. Yeah. And so if someone doesn't really find themselves which usually requires a a legitimately spiritual quest because you have to find someone with enough spiritual wisdom to give you the confidence that when they direct you back into yourself that it's okay because by then you got so much god and religious programming in your head that it almost feels like you're sinning to put yourself first yeah so it really leads to a, a, a crisis and it's it's sad, but it's very, very real. But it ultimately is part of the hero's journey, right? We all have to go on our hero's journey. And yeah. part of that is overcoming our programming or we never really find out who we are. We just become a a little, uh, you know, robot uh, expression of the good book, you know? Yeah. And that and that was a big part of, of our journey is actually when I started spiraling out and he was realizing where his health was is we actually separated yep. for a little bit. Right. I mean, you told me that. And we said, you know, we're not going to date other people. You focus on you. I'm going to focus on me and we'll come back together. And then we can discuss when we're more clear headed. This is very wise of you. And we have a better yeah. idea of what we want in this, because if I just go and date other people, I'm going to start the cycle all over again. Yes. And the thing I always tell because I get a lot of people coming to me with health problems that are, I track right back to the to the marital challenges, and there, there's very frequently I want a divorce. I really, I don't want to be with this person anymore, or whatever. But I always say, look, before you get a divorce, just take at least two or three months away from each other, and then when you come back, start dating again. Don't mm-hmm. don't jump right back into the, you know, level of commitment that makes you feel stuck. You got to rekindle your love mm-hmm. and appreciation for each other, but spend enough time away to get clear why it was that you were drawn to that person in the first place. And if you do that and you get clear in your head, you realize you're really not meant to be with that person, then be honest about that, mm-hmm. or you're just going to go back and go through the whole cycle. And I've watched people go through the cycle for 20 years straight and still stay together and end up on many operating tables and have fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome and irritable bowel syndrome and heart disease and about every damn thing you can think. I mean, all that kind of stuff does is just find your genetic weaknesses and just Mm. stress them. And you just find where your, you know, where your breaking points are. Mm. And that becomes the profit center for the medical system. So paradoxically, the medical system and Reorganized religion have a real tendency to support each other's pocketbooks. Mm. Ain't that the truth? 
Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, I'm not saying that religion's all bad. I'm just saying that corporatized religion is bad. So she was giving the examples of just wearing different masks for people. And that was something that we both realized we were putting on different masks with each other. Yeah, it's pretty common. You know, um, and not only that, also too, with the with the behind the scenes of the Hollywood industry of them just giving us the scripts. I actually got thrown out of an interview. I remember this story. This is funny. Because they wanted me to, they wanted me to say that Kirstie is going to be the first woman to beat Mount Midoriyama, which is just a giant, uh, how is it? hundred foot. It's a hundred foot rope climb that you have to climb this rope in one minute. That's fast. That's hard. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't commit to it. I would say, I don't, I don't know. You know, I don't, that's, I don't know if she's going to get there. There's, three other stages that she has to get through before she can even access that obstacle. And I wasn't playing their games, and that really started to leak over into the off-season competitions that we would go to where people would treat not just her differently, but it became a popularity contest. You know, if you were more popular in the sport, you got the benefit of the calls that were made. Like if you weren't supposed to step out of a line on an obstacle and you did, and you were favorited, they didn't call it on you. But if you weren't favorited... They would call you out, and oh, that happened. That's... That happened a few times with her, and I was like, "We, this ain't, this ain't happening." Like, I'm, I'm gonna go talk to somebody. This isn't, this isn't right. Like, you're clearly, you're clearly the best athlete in this room, and you should be able to have a chance to finish this. Well, just so you know, it's not just that sport; it's common in most sports. Oh yeah. When I was on the army boxing team, whenever we would travel to another town or country or wherever we were going. We always saw that the judges favored the hometown. So if a fight was close, whoever was from the hometown always won, even though we, as very skilled elite-level boxers, knew that that wasn't a fair judgment. So it got to the point where, right before we would get on a bus or wherever we were going, the coaches would always gather everybody in a circle and say, okay, remember the rule. You bring your own judges. Who are they? K and O. <laughs> that way we don't have to worry about referees cheating us. We have to knock these guys out. Mm. So the whole orientation shifted towards you have to be your own judge, and the only way you can make sure that you win a fight is to knock your opponent out. And so, and that was right when I became the trainer. So my job was to make sure they could do that, <laughs> and I can proudly say that I did. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is Penny, the voice of the podcast Intros and Endings, and I am interrupting this episode with a special announcement from our sponsor, Bioptimizers. I just got word from them that Bioptimizers have a really great opportunity for Living 4D with Paul Chet listeners. So great, in fact, that Paul doesn't even know about it yet. You all know how important probiotics are for our health. And if you've listened to Paul's podcast for a while, you know how much he relies on P3OM from Bioptimizers for his go-to probiotic support for immune health, gut health, and overall well-being. If you've never tried P3OM, here is your opportunity. So listen up. This month only, you can get a free bottle of this patented, vegetarian-friendly, lactose-free, 100% plant-based, super-strain probiotic. By Optimizers, the makers of P3OM are offering a challenge. For Paul's listeners, they are offering a free bottle of P3OM probiotics. All you have to do is pay a nominal shipping fee. Really, that is it. There are no other strings attached and no other purchases required. Their challenge is simple. Try P3OM and see all of the positive changes I just mentioned. And if your digestion, 
gut and microbiome are not improved, you've lost nothing. But if they are, well, then you have gained everything. To get your free bottle, just go to p3om.com forward slash Paul free and enter the coupon code Paul 10. It's as simple as that. Listen, they wouldn't be giving these bottles away if they weren't 100% confident in how effective it is. And Paul can back this up as P3OM is on the short list of supplements he absolutely has to have. To get your free 14-day supply right now and start the challenge, go to p3om.com forward slash Paul free and use the coupon code Paul, the number one and the number zero. Do not miss this opportunity as it is a limited time offer for this month only. Now, Michael, you're a skilled chef and you have, as we said earlier, served our family as a chef, which you were very good, by the way. Thank you. We were were caught because we could see that you didn't really want to be the chef and that you were doing it to help us out in a bind, but that wasn't exactly blowing your skirt up in the air with joy. (laughs) And so when we were looking for a chef, we're like, oh boy, this is hard. We, we, we don't want Michael to be unhappy, but we also don't want to get another <laughs> chef. <laughs> yeah. So it was one of those things where we had to just trust great spirit to bring us a, a new chef that would serve us. Um, so how did you become a chef and how important is understanding food and food preparation for anyone that has kids or wants to be a ninja to preserve themselves? So they don't suffer unnecessary illness, injuries, setbacks, and can avoid aging too rapidly. So my first experience with it was back in high school. Uh-huh. They had um, what was called a vocational school for oh, high schoolers. Cool. And so I spent half the time at my home school and the other half of the day at this vocational school. And they had a myriad of different programs. Um, and I chose culinary arts. Uh, I've always loved food. My family was huge into food. Um, and so I learned a lot about how to cook food, um, so much so that I can, you know, just listen to the fried chicken going off in a fryer and I can know when it's done and it's going to be nice and juicy. Mm. Um, so that always was a, a big passion of mine. Um, just, just, I love food. I love eating it. Um, but as far as being able to integrate it uh, for the parents and for their children, it's, it really comes down to the quality of food that you're getting. And again, that only came into play whenever I started implementing the six foundational principles and learning just, you know, about soil health, about the quality of the water, um, about the herbicides, fungicides, and insecticides sprayed on most of the foods, how your body can't process that. So learning to choose food wisely uh, from a clean source. And then also, I also looked at um, cooking as an art, you know, it's it's a way to express myself through food, and others get to share that experience once they once they eat that food. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it's a beautiful way to have fun. It's it's a beautiful way to invite fun into your life if you're able to reframe your mind of I'm not just making dinner for my family, and I've been you know slaving away at work all day. It's I get to have a little bit of creative time. You know, what food do I want to cook? You know what spices go with go well with these foods. What vegetables can I pair with these foods, um, and almost kind of make it a game, mm-hmm. so to speak, to to invite that play back into your life. Because you know, at least what I'm finding out is most adults they forget to have play in their life. Being a chef, cooking is is really a clearly alchemy. I mean, it's yeah. really mm-hmm. straight up alchemy. What's the guy Michael Pollan in one of his books on uh, cooking? He does a great job of explaining the principles of alchemy as they apply to 
to food. Go, double back on your question. As far as being able to present uh, to prevent unnecessary injuries and illnesses, again, it goes back to understanding that you are what you eat. And so if you're going to choose to put a piece of food in your mouth uh, that's been sprayed with a bunch of chemicals and that hasn't been treated right from an energetic perspective, you know, a lot of these farmers, they don't love and care for their, for their plants, mm-hmm. you know, and those plants, they're living and they can understand and they can communicate with you. It's whether or not are you listening to them or not, Yeah, you know, and so <clears throat> when you're eating those low vibrational foods, low energy f- sources of foods, that's making up the composition of who you are in this body. And they're also stressed beings, right? Yes. You're eating very. sick animals, you're eating sick plants, and they're fighting for their life. People forget, you know, when you eat a, a living organism that's stressed, the water of that plant is full of that vibration. And and so you're, you're, you're bringing in, um, you're eating stress. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other thing that I would say is one the book that really changed my life when it came to the cooking is your book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy. Mm. Um, and then under, you know, understanding the different soil compositions as well. You've got a great YouTube uh, about soil composition mm-hmm. and how that affects. Um, learning those and then, impl- and then implementing the principles with the cooking drastically changed my life in a way that I feel way more vital Mm. Whenever I want to show up to anything that I want to show up to, whether that be, you know, coaching the kids throughout the week, whether that be showing up to my marriage, showing up to this podcast, you know, I have the energy to do so. I'd love to hear from each of you what you experience when you switch to organic eating and eating for your individual needs and listening to your body compared to what you experienced before the transition. So can you highlight some of the symptoms Mm. that people and their children commonly have? Uh, that basically lowers the quality of their health and vitality and so often leads them to medical doctors. So there's two questions in there. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I know a lot of people listening to my podcast are probably much more evolved than than most people, but most people out there still have this, unfortunately, idea that comes from university nutrition programs that food is just energy, just like gasoline. So you you can shop for cheaper food like you shop for cheaper gasoline. So they don't actually realize that... Um, Food is a lot more than energy. Food is a necessary um, collection of biomolecules. And if you don't get the molecules your body needs, then you have a deficit, which leads to symptoms and health problems. Food is also uh, bringing the spirit of that plant into your body. And so if you're, like we said, if you're eating sick, stressed plants, then you're bringing that kind of psychic energy into your body. Um you know, food is also our connection to the earth and to the environment. So if you're eating food and drinking water from a natural environment, and you're bringing the genes in and the microorganisms in from that food and water that informs your body of what's in the environment. So your immune system knows how to adapt and create antibodies to whatever's coming in on the food so that when you get too much of any one thing in you, you already have antibodies built up. But when you're eating food that's farmed somewhere completely different and drinking water that comes by way of bottles that comes from some filtered bullshit system that wasn't a sewage treatment center a few days ago. Um, The water is filtered so heavily that it's naked other than the energetic properties that are very stressful to the body. So the point is people's immune systems don't develop the natural interface with the environment, which makes people highly susceptible to common illnesses, viruses, 
bacterial infections, and again, all the things that keeps the medical system profitable. So I'm just curious to, for, for you guys to share, you know, it must have been, you must have noticed when you started eating really high quality food and eating right for your body's needs changes. So what, uh, we'll start with you, Kirsty. What did you notice? Yeah. Were you, were you still competing when you made that transition? Um, I made the transition. I wasn't competing anymore, but I was still running a gym, uh -huh. which was really neat because at that point, uh, when I started to make the changes in myself, I could, you know, once I did it, I could actually coach people through it. Um, you know, I struggled with before I struggled with constipation, anxiety, depression, itchy skin, and then I would fluctuate between constipation and diarrhea, you know, all sorts of gut issues and stuff like that. And as soon as I started to remove gluten, remove the four white doubles, mm -hmm. gluten, flour, dairy, salt, tables, white tables, processed table salt, yeah. And as soon as I started to remove those and started to listen to what my primal type was and how that changed per day, per hour, yes. per week, I started to think more clearly. I started to have more energy. I started to sleep better. I started to have more confidence in myself mm -hmm. and what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be because, you know, when I was on the show and eating the processed foods, I wore a lot of these masks and I, I don't think I really knew who I was and I didn't think I had a lot of confidence to go out and figure it out. And at that point, I felt like I had a lot more of energy. I, I was more exploratory. If I had, you know, when I was competing and I was eating commercialized food, at one point I had nerve pain going down my arm. I had uh, joint pain, ankle pain, and, and again, all of that went away. There was a few times where I had a few not so fun injuries and those are, of course, you're going to feel it, but I recovered a whole lot quicker and, and it was, life was just so much more enjoyable at that moment in that transition in my world. When you start paying attention to how your body is responding to what you choose to eat in a given meal, so this much meat, this much vegetables or whatever you put in your mouth, you really actually start bringing your consciousness back into your body. Because, you know, you're saying, okay, how do my guts feel? Am I gassy? Am I constipated? Am I tired? Am I achy? Is, how's my mind working, right? So oftentimes, interestingly, you know, we have this huge mindfulness and embodiment movement going on around the world. But really, a lot of people don't realize that you don't have to go take a class. All you got to do is actually start paying attention to what your body's telling you all the time. And the other problem that we have is so many people don't actually have a, the ability to conceive how powerful food is, right? So they never actually think it's the food they're eating. They always think it's something wrong with them. So they end up at a doctor getting a drug to mask the symptoms. And then they go home and eat garbage. And of course, it's not addressing the problem. So as you're masking the symptoms, the actual problems is getting worse and worse and worse. And so what goes from gastrointestinal problems and constipation and foggy head grows into a serious illness or a disease, right? And and they still think that it's just the, the misfortune of life and don't realize that they've just drugged and poisoned themselves right into a state of, of dysfunction and, and it cripples their life. What did you experience? Yeah, so like I said earlier with the gluten thing, I was severely inflamed. 
Um, my gut was super extended. Like you could poke it and nothing would move. It would be like I was flexing and I wasn't flexing. I right. had tons of gastrointestinal issues. I had headaches all the time. I mean, I can't remember how many times a week uh, that I was complaining about migraines happening. Yeah. Um, my cognitive function was not working properly. I was constantly making mistakes on the job. I was constantly forgetting conversations that her and I would have, which then would lead to you know, issues in the relationship again. Because mm. um, you'd show up at the wrong house and go to bed with the wrong girl. <laughs> no, I never did that. <laughs> Where's Michael? He's, oh, he's three houses over. I wonder what he's fixing their dryer. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm doing. Um, no, but I had I had tons of anxiety. Like I said, I had depression. And then at one point, I had struggled pretty bad for about two months with suicide mm. um, to the point where I had I had my CCW license because we had a big incident happen. What's a CCW license? Conceal and carry. Oh. Um, so that I could be able to perform work because where I where we worked um, we were in pretty dangerous areas sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, areas where you didn't want to be caught after sundown. Um, if so you were you know something bad could happen. Mm -hmm. um, so I had that fear mind there and I would carry it with me and I would just think, you know, life would be so much easier for Kirsty and for everyone else in the family if I was just out of here. Um, and then, like I said, when I finally, you know, bit the bullet and took responsibility for my health, the depression went away, the suicidal thoughts went away, the anxiety went away, the inflammation went away, the bodily aches and pains. I had tons of knee and ankle pains um, constantly, you know, from previous injury in high school with sports and never taking care of them properly, but also not feeding myself right. You know, not a lot of people understand that when you eat and when you drink certain foods, not certain, all foods, that's going to make up your ligament tissue. That's going to make up your cartilage. That's going to make yeah. up everything in your body. And so I wasn't repairing myself nutritionally very well. Right. Um, so my confidence also went through the roof. My mistakes at work, um, actually my last year of work, I think I had two and a half callbacks the entire year, which is pretty, in, which is pretty insane. I was averaging five calls a day, you know, so, and only having two callbacks, my cognitive skills were just through the roof. I was very accurate on diagnosis. I was also friendlier to people. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't allow people to get under my skin as much. Um, and I was just much more of a grateful person um, and probably much more of a grateful person to be around, you know. You know, the symptoms that we list off, you know, that's a big thing of what the symptoms of other people can be looking for and symptoms that we notice when clients come to us. I have bodily aches and pains. I have low back pain. I have itchy skin. I, you mm. know, my gut hurts and, and stuff like that. And so it's like the biggest thing that you've, we've learned from you through your institute is, is like what you said, food journal. Many, many of my clients over the many years that I've been using food journals have said to me, oh my God, this is the first time I've ever actually paid attention to the fact that these foods are causing these problems and they'll get all excited and go, look, every time I eat this, this happens. Or every time I eat bread, I just fart constantly and I feel like shit, you know? And so a lot of them look at me like, why did it take me so long to figure this out? And I'm like, well, because you're in a culture that is not conditioned to believe that food's anything other than energy, gasoline, you know, fuel for the fire. You don't realize that, you know, this is the, if you, you know, just a little hormonal lesson, not that you guys need, but for the listeners, there's only, you know, you have three major molecules. You got fats, carbohydrates, and proteins. So if you say all the hormones in the body, for which there's a lot of them, they all are three classes of proteins that you 
break the whole hormonal system down into three classes of hormones. So there's the androgen hormones that are made from fat, largely cholesterol. Then you got glycoproteins, which are carbohydrates that are actually woven into um, proteins. And you got straight amino acid-based proteins. So lipoproteins, glycoproteins, and amino acids. So if your body does not have the right type of and right ratio of those three key constituents, you cannot make the hormones your body needs. So you start seeing all sorts of hormonal imbalances. So for example, the low fat craze that you know still has people caused everybody to be afraid of fat. And, and oh, then the cholesterol craze scared everyone away from cholesterol. So you got all these athletes eating these kind of vegan-like low-fat, skinning everything, taking the yolks out of eggs, yet they're having huge problems with the inability to produce androgens, which means you can't recover from exercise. And as soon as you don't make enough uh, androgens, then your body has to figure out where do I get the flesh to make these hormones. I need the fat and I need the protein. So what do you do? You go to gluconeogenesis and you eat yourself. Your body just starts to raise your cortisol levels up so high, you start catabolizing your own flesh. And so, and then even if you are eating the right amount, but the nutrition density is low and they're toxic, then you end up, you can eat a lot of food and this causes another problem. So the person might sense this hunger and keep eating lots and lots of chicken, let's say, but they're still showing the signs of protein deficiency, right? Because the problem is, is if their digestive system's wrecked, they cannot digest it properly. I've had bodybuilders are eating massive amounts of protein, but when I tested them, they showed all the signs and symptoms of protein deficiency. And they look at me and they go, there's no possible way that that's happening. And I go, well, yes, there is a possible way. You're not absorbing it. You're not digesting it. So one of the first things they do is put them on digestive enzymes and all of a sudden it's like someone turns the lights on mm -hmm. and they realize, oh my God, I haven't been getting any food and 90% of the world population has both a parasite infection and a fungal infection. So in other words, different studies, one says 90% of the people have fungal infections and one says 90% of the people have parasite infections, which means a lot of people have a fungal and a parasite infection at the same time and they do because I've tested thousands so what does that mean? It means they're eating your food first because they sit inside the wall, inside the gut, inside the small intestine, the stomach, and the colon. And so in the stomach and the small intestine, they're absorbing all the nutrition out of your food before it passes through the small intestine into the portal vein to go to the liver to be then distributed through the body and the blood. So people can eat tons of food and not realize that they're actually in a state of malnutrition because their gut's leaking and they got uninvited guests at the dinner table that have big appetites. And the problem is the more sugar you feed them, oh, yeah. the faster they multiply. Yeah. And what people don't realize when you get several billion of these things in your body pissing and shitting inside of you, it poisons you. So you go from feeling shitty to feeling really shitty to having some kind of serious health crisis, none of which the medical system will look for nope. <laughs> at all. In fact, I've had patients that I was working with, I diagnosed that they had a parasite infection and they went back to the doctor and the doctor looked at him and said, what's that? Wow. The doctor didn't even know what that was. Wow. We did that when we were, when we were trying to get our dog's gut clean and I oh, was yeah. talking about that and they were like, no, dogs don't need a parasite cleanse. And I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty sure she does. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I sure hope you're enjoying the podcast. 
As a therapist that is constantly teaching people about nutrition and hydration, I found that the only people that really understand and use electrolytes in general are endurance athletes. But what most people don't know about is the importance of electrolytes for general health, mineral nutrition, improved hydration, blood sugar and insulin regulation, enhanced vitality, and enhanced brain function. Though there is a rising awareness of electrolytes and many companies offering them, I can assure you that they are not all created equally, and what that usually comes down to is the quality and the cleanliness of the source materials and how they are combined. Having tested many electrolyte products, I was honestly shocked when I experienced Paleo Valley's essential electrolytes. Why? Because I eat a super high-quality diet and back it up with the world's highest quality whole food supplements to guarantee a full spectrum of nutrition, and I'm a lover of high quality salts, so I thought for sure I was getting enough electrolytes. When I tested other electrolyte products, I honestly felt no difference. When Paleo Valley sent me their essential electrolytes to test, I was honestly shocked at how much more energy I had. I even experienced an improved level of mental clarity that I didn't expect from an electrolyte drink of all things. Paleo Valley's essential electrolytes are available in orange, watermelon, and lemon-lime flavors and is a whole food-sourced electrolyte blend. Get the complete benefits of trace minerals and electrolytes found in unprocessed ancient sea salt, organic coconut water, and seaweed extract without the refined sugar and synthetic ingredients in most electrolyte drinks. Though Paleo Valley's essential electrolytes are good for children and adults, I feel this product may be one of the most important dietary additions for anyone age 50 and beyond because the benefits that essential electrolytes offers addresses many of the problems common in aging people today. In fact, I've been adding them to my daily health and performance shake since the day I first tried them and will continue to do so. To get your essential electrolytes and save 15% on your order, go to paleovalley.com forward slash check 15. That's P-A-L-E-O valley.com forward slash C-H-E-K 15. If we want to make the world a better place, we've all got to stay healthy and fit and support companies like Paleo Valley because they're a perfect example of the kinds of companies we'd need more of in the world today. Enjoy Essential Electrolytes. You've both worked at a few gyms that were available to develop your ninja skills. You're both working with children as well. What kind of uh, benefits and challenges have you encountered in the gym environment And what kinds of challenges uh, have you found common amongst the kids that you've worked with? So, Mm. um, for example, a lot of Czech professionals have been fired because once they took my training, they would not sell the crap nutrition that the gyms were demanding that they sell. And so they wouldn't do it because they realized, you know, they were poisoning people and lying to them if they knew what was going on and they didn't want to do that. I'm curious, what are the kind of challenges you've had in gyms in general And what are the kinds of challenges you had with coaching children and conditioning them in gyms, whether it be with their parents or with the way you structured the exercise program for people? The first gym that we worked at, uh, what was interesting with that, though, is we weren't like fully heavily into the Czech principles Uh at that point. We were really kind of on doctor movement out of all of them, but we weren't a full balanced doctor movement because we weren't taking in 
work-in or anabolic with the catabolic. Um, I, w- I would say as a culture there, because, you know, when you, when you think about that, the owner was a Czech practitioner as well, also not living the for doctor principle, the challenges within that one was, was really just the constant, you know, um, pre-workouts and yep. energy bars Coats and cliff and bars and stuff yeah. like that. But, but the training aspect, when we went to the second gym and I was managing that gym and Michael was working as a coach, um, with me on that is we really started to implement the check principles and trying to teach these kids the importance of the four doctors, the importance of the six foundational principles, how it can make them that much better of an athlete, how like it can make them just that much better well-rounded. And some of the challenges we came into is one, this one was really hard. Like, I don't want to say heartbreaking, but it, it was, um, I definitely felt it is when we would give the information to the kids. Cause what we would do is, you know, we would we would send them home with take-home work where they get to try and do their water. They get to try and see how gluten affects them. They get to try different stretches. And you have some parents that are fully on board, fully supportive, fully doing it there with them. And then you have parents who are like, no, I'm not going to do that. And so when you teach a kid about gluten and you teach a kid about proper food and you teach them because that when we went on our own, we started teaching them about labels and stuff like that. And then when they go to a house that's not supporting yeah. this new thing, it, it set the kid up for more failure than it did success. And that, that one was really, really challenging with that. And, and another issue that we had is for me, I really saw the difference in how the kids were performing and, and they were like, it wasn't about necessarily just uh, winning podiums and stuff like that. But within a four-month span, we went from two kids winning on a podium, you know, one through three, and there's multiple age groups, so you maybe have 12 people podium total. We had two, and then within four months, we had like nine. Wow. So to say it wasn't working, and so I was trying to tell the owner of the gym, like, look, this is great for marketing. This is great for advertising to say that we're producing great athletes and, you know, doing this. And and he wasn't interested. Um, he wasn't interested in the principles. He was very interested in, in getting people in and getting them out. And so with that challenge, because I, I didn't feel like I could really teach the Czech principles mixed with obstacles because it is fun that's for me when I said this isn't working anymore and I need to try and take this out on my own and I need to try and do this on my own even if it falls on its face Mm. I need to go this way because I need to know that that I can teach and I can coach in this manner and not feel like someone's telling me that I just need to have these people come in exercise over exercise for that matter and then and then leave um was was some of mine I know Michael uh, had some other challenges as well. Yeah, um, those are very common challenges. Uh, another challenge th- that I would have is just, at least for me, is the parents almost questioning why it was that we're training this way. Um, and that was really hard because I would explain it to them and I'd be like, I could explain it to them till I'm blue in the face. And they just, they just didn't get it. And a lot of it was because they themselves, they weren't, participating in, in making kids life mm-hmm. it will yeah in their kids lives for sure for example i had a kid who was clearly uh gluten intolerant um and would eat nothing but just sugar 
And so her emotional state was just all over the place. Um, she would she would shake quite a bit. She would get nervous quite a bit. She was very, very anxious on the obstacles. And so when we're on these obstacles, teaching her to focus and tap into her breath so that she can calm her nervous system down and reset it to the point to where she can focus on the obstacle. The parents of this particular you know child, they wouldn't implement it their own selves. And so they didn't understand it. Uh, and when they didn't understand it, the kid didn't receive any any help on the back end. Yeah. And so that was that was probably the biggest challenge. Um, but we had tons of um, beautiful things come out of that. Yeah. The, the one of the problems that that I ran into is as soon as I would teach them how the child needed to eat because of the problems they were having, they didn't want to switch mm-hmm. over. Mm. And I pointed out to them, you guys are showing the same symptoms and he's got your genes. So if he's reacting or she's reacting, then it's probably that you're reacting and here's the symptoms and look, you guys have it. So what happened is that whenever it became a situation where their child's health and performance required changes in their diet, they rejected it because they wanted their donuts and they Mm -hmm. wanted their piles of coffee and Mm -hmm. sugar. And so... I would say probably only two in 10 parents that I worked with actually not only wanted to support their child and saw how important it was for the rest of the family, but also realized it was good for them. So the paradox of it is, is you get a kid that goes home, as you know, and tries to eat because they maybe Mm want to be a champion athlete, but everybody's stuffing all the garbage in their face, which is like trying to take a heroin addict and set them at a table full of heroin and tell them not to eat it. This doesn't work very well. Mm -hmm. So I I always found that the first thing I had to do, no matter what the problem with the child was, was spend time with the parents and and identify Mm. how important this is to them, how important is their own health and vitality to them, and then explain things to why these changes I'm suggesting are essential not only for injury prevention, but athletic performance, mm-hmm. but just general overall health, because these things grow into serious problems. You know, if you're coming to me with digestive trouble and heartburn and gastrointestinal reflux, and you're vomiting, burping up your f- stomach acid and constipation and all these other things, I would have to actually point out to them how this not only directly affects the musculoskeletal system, how it then impedes athletic performance, but ultimately how what starts off as a smaller looking problem that you could go see a general practitioner for ends up growing into a disease process. And so, you know, a lot of them wouldn't give a shit. The other problem that I had with these parents of child athletes is they were banking on these kids, bailing them out of all their financial stress. Mm. Yeah. So they're putting huge amounts of pressure on their children to become professional athletes. So, the, the kid was basically being tasked with the job of the future safety and security of the family, which is a terrible kind of psychological pressure to put on a 13, 14, 15-year-old child. I can give you a classic example, actually. I, I won't name the name just <laughs> for safety and security and legal reasons, because this person's extremely famous. Somebody who went on to win many gold medals in the Olympics. When this guy was young, he was probably 17, 18, uh, he had blown out his ACL. He had stretched his ACL really bad, but he had a very unstable knee and was right on the edge of needing surgery. So the question was, could he avoid surgery? But his mother came with him every time and watched over him like a hawk. 
And I evaluated him and I could see his knee was extremely unstable. I mean, he was, you know, you had to be real careful with an athlete like that because one bad landing, and there was a lot of landings in this sport, um, a little bit too much twist or the wrong body position, you just blow your knee out. And that could just be a, a real career threat or career ender. Well, she was making tons of money because she had a booking agent that kept putting him in television commercials, like beer commercials and mm. all sorts of stuff. And the following weekend, like I'm working with them on a Thursday or Friday, and this coming weekend, they're supposed to fly to Colorado to shoot a beer commercial where he's got to do some Trick. crazy wild jump um, on his snowboard. And um, I said to her, you cannot do that. You're, you're, that might be the last time this kid ever does mm -hmm. anything like that. This could end his Olympic career, his, his chance of making it to the Olympics. And she had zero interest in listening to me. Mm -hmm. And I really, I actually got pissed off at her. I said, look, do you realize? I said, why are you here? Why did you come to the Czech Institute to see me? I'm a very expensive guy to see. You could have seen a lot of other people. Why did you come here? Because you were highly recommended. Who sent you? Okay. Why did they send you? Because I've worked with a lot of the best athletes. You see all these pictures all over the wall here? These are the best athletes in the world. And I'm telling you, your kid needs at least two or three weeks to recover because this is a serious knee injury. And if you just let me work with them, I can get the swelling out of there. I can stabilize him, get his core working right, change his diet, and, and, and he can go back and have a career. She would have nothing to do with mm. it. And so I've seen, I've seen this kids be farmed for money like this over and over again. Fortunately, the, the, the young man survived and went on to win many Olympic medals. But, you know, it's like when I used to have to deal with coaches on sports teams for these very reasons, the first thing they would say to me is, oh, how can you say that when we produce so many champion athletes? Mm -hmm. And I would look them right in the eyes and say, the question is, how many did you ruin for each one that you made? Because I'm the guy that the ruined ones come to for help. And I know right away what you're doing to them that's ruining them. So the question is how many parents ruin their children's athletic careers trying to force them to become a professional athlete to make money off of them. And it's just uh, sort of, it's always been a really emotionally sad, irritating, stressful thing for me as a therapist. You know, it's, it's, money is definitely the root of plenty of evil. Another challenge I had was I had, I had like 11 or 12 individual clients that I was taking through um, this Ninja Warrior process. And one of the parents wanted their kid to train with me more. And I didn't want to make my availability there because it was just going to run me into the ground. Um, and so I said, no, I put up a boundary. And so she found another coach. And what I ran into was everything that I was coaching this particular kid um, was being undone by this other coach. Mm -hmm. And I finally went up to her and I said, look, you need to either choose me or you need to choose this other coach over here. Because the reason why I'm coaching your daughter in this way is because she has this specific skill set. So I'm teaching her how to figure out how to manipulate her body through these obstacles in a way that's comfortable for her, not in a way that's successful for me because I have a different body. She needs to find out 
what her flow is through these obstacles for yes. herself. Mm-hmm. And that's the type of stuff that the other coach wasn't doing. They were just... Yeah, they're usually cookie-cutter coaching. Right. They were it, inputting their... It took him like a couple of weeks to figure out. He's like, I can't figure out what's going on. Yeah, because she was making so much progress. Um, she was really close to getting the 12-foot warp wall. And I was like, man, your explosiveness is just... It's not there anymore. Um, what is going on? And so whenever I finally asked, I was like, okay, that's got to stop. You know, you got to choose. You got to either be me or you got to be this person. And, yeah. you know, it's cool, whoever you choose, but you need to stick with one coach. See if you guys could talk maybe about some of the benefits you've seen for children that have had time to spend with you guys conditioning properly and eating properly. What what kind of changes did you see in things like their self-esteem, their movement skills and their overall health and vitality yeah we saw self-esteem go through the roof their confidence especially when obstacle training because obstacle training is a way to invite fun back into working out right um, not like working out's boring but it's a fun way to get your doctor movement in yeah um so their confidence went through the roof and that confidence spread not only in their ninja competitions but that confidence spread into their school life so their grades were improving oh good their friendship circles were improving they were learning how to communicate because they were listening to how her and i communicate to each other while we're coaching and how we communicate to the kids when we were coaching them so that went through the roof Um, it was a good way to nurture their inner child uh, during the process of this you know again going back to the play element you know finding out what what is what is great for them um the uh, build, building the community was also another big thing. Feeling like you're supported. I mean, when we ran elite team at one of these, which is essentially it was a team designed to com- be competitive in uh, local gym, gym competitions. That community, everyone supported each other. There was a program that Kirsty initiated right off the bat, which was I am statements. Oh, and good. That, and that was where each one of our students picked an obstacle that they wanted to develop more skills at. And they were their statement in the mirror that they had to go every week and recite it a few times every day and uh, was, for example, the salmon ladder was one of our kids. He goes, I am great at the salmon ladder. And the whole community's and coaches' responsibility was to give them feedback, yes, you are. Mm, or good. I am great at the warp wall. <clears throat> yes, you are. And so that community not only nurtured that confidence and that inner child play, um, but it just, it spread outwards uh, into their lives. Right. You've both done an excellent job of coaching and educating our kids, keeping them super fit. And that kind of support for children is almost non-existent in the world today. When you see what kids are being exposed to um, and how they're living in contrast with what you both know kids need from your own experience working with kids and their parents, what is it that you... Um, offer kids and feel that all parents should be aware of. So if you if you see how things are going out there, and you're aware now of what kids need versus what they're getting, what are you? What have you come to conclude, and what do you what do you end up having to tell parents, for example, with regard to how they're managing their children? Just the consumption of TV and screen time when yeah. it comes to electronics. What do you see that doing to kids? Um, their attention span to learn and retain things just goes out the window. Yeah. Uh, they're anxious. They're monkey mind. They can't clearly think because they're so stimulated and jacked up in their nervous system. That it's amazing, isn't they're it? They're not able to mm-hmm. be present 
they're not able to be present with the coach in the moment. And you know, because of we're watching our kids, I mean, you're here all the time with them. Yeah. But we see both of them are so sensitive. We've Very. had to cut back their exposure to television and iTime, iPhone time or iPad more and more mm-hmm. and more. Yep. And because they're in Waldorf school, they recently made, made them all go on a month fast from any media, mm-hmm. which we thought was going to be hard. But actually, after a day, the kids almost forgot about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was, they were really excited when the month was over. But right away after the month, Mana was, you know, burning up his screen time, then begging for more, and then watching TV. And then next thing you know, he's going back to his kind of at night, you know, they go bloody crazy at night around mm. bedtime when they're tired because yeah. they don't have any emotional energy to regulate their emotions so we've we just made the decision we're just going to cut it back so the the girls cut their I, I don't know what they were having an hour an hour and a half a day and i think they cut it back to like 30 minutes but now we're on the edge of just not letting them have any except for rare occasions yeah, yeah. um I'll, i'm i'm they're not supposed to watch tv during the week but because i do work a lot as you know, um, I like to have a little bonding time. So at night I tend to rub the kids' feet and find something that they can watch with me that I know isn't going to be, I try not to let it be too bad. Sometimes I all, like the other day we started a movie that we thought would be good and it turned out to be way (laughs) too intense. So I had to shut it off and then I had to go through all the stress with Mana. But point being is, is most parents don't really realize that Using televisions and screens to babysit your kids is a freaking dangerous thing because of the very advanced brainwashing technology being yeah. used, and yeah. it really does fuck them right up, man. Yeah. Well, and and that was that was gonna say I was gonna add anger into that. Anger, yeah. Yeah. anger's big. Anger, and then and then you know we we put TV slash social media, like especially heavily doing yeah. on social media, is yeah. noticing the the um, lack of confidence and the mental. Um, back and forth between the kid's head and and just trying to have those quick screens on TikTok and stuff like that. And I think there's a time and a place, but I also think um, teaching their kids to spend time away from that. And the biggest thing that we've learned with Mana and Zoe is they learn from watching, yes. not what you say. What you so, do, yeah. so it's asking you to step up. It's asking you to be the best version of yourself. It's asking you to get your four doctors in alignment. So yeah, we're both nineties born and the TV craze wasn't super booming. The video game craze wasn't super booming. And so we played outside a lot. I, I mean, for me, I grew up in the country area. Uh, so I was out hanging out in the woods, climbing trees, you know, playing with my own make-believe friends, you know, using my imagination, riding dirt bikes, things like that. Mm. Um, you know, getting together with the local kids, playing kickball, playing football, playing basketball. Um, that's not that's not very common today, I would say, at least as it was, at least when we were kids. Uh, and I think that also goes to show the lack of confidence in kids. Uh, there's an aspect of competition that breeds confidence in kids. Uh, that iron sharpening iron, you know, you want to be better than Billy from down the street, you know, mm. not just because you want to prove that like you're the best on the block, but because he's clearly in front of you and there's something and there's something like driving internally for you to be that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that carries on in the rest of your life. You know, if, you know, you always say how you do one thing is how you do everything. Yeah. If you're not confident in one area of your life, you're not confident in no area of your life. It's sad because the kids are the real losers, you know. I think, I think ultimately, you know, COVID, you know, was like a, a 
was like closing the lid on the coffin, mm. you know, locking kids inside and masking them and, you know, the their whole health and mental, physical, and emotional health just went to the floor. You know, it's yeah. just, that was, just killed them. So I think, I think it's been, I don't think a lot of people realize how important it is for parents to give kids a healthy lifestyle and, and how bad the parents need it as well. Yeah, that's something that I was really going to heavily play on is, you know, when when I would spend time with Zoe, I would have these days where we would just, we're going to flow with Zoe today. We're going to do, Zoe's going to show <laughs> me how to be a kid because we we get so ingrained or in work or, or consumed with our technology. Like when I was about 13 was when technology really heavily started to come into my life and when i think about that that's half of my that's over half of my life and so a lot of adults are consumed with their computers or they're consumed with Mm -hmm. their phones and so just allowing their kids to go out and explore nature see different animals see different plants you know you don't have to have an obstacle course to jump on things and climb on things right climb on trees climb on stumps you know have allow that creative edge to come and really see what can support your kid mentally emotionally physically and spiritually because if they need that support clearly so do you too Hello to all of you. Thank you for joining me on my podcast and contributing to making the world a better place each day. I'm so excited to have you on this amazing journey with me. I wanted to share one of my strategies for being strong, healthy, mentally sharp, and productive each day. My family and I love Organifi's sunrise to sunset combination, and it's never hard to get our kids to enjoy these healthy products, and guests at our rainbow workshops absolutely love them too. The Sunrise to Sunset Kit helps transform your entire day in three simple steps. A detoxifying morning reset, an afternoon energy boost, and a nighttime relaxation tea, all packed with superfoods your body will love. The kit comes with a built-in bundle savings, and for a limited time, it also comes with a 30-day supply of pure and effective natural brain-boosting blend, absolutely free. Your Sunrise to Sunset kit includes green juice. Reset your body in the morning with 11 detoxifying superfoods, including ashwagandha, an excellent herb that helps your body handle stress better. You'll love the delicious taste and your body will love the rush of exotic organic micronutrients. Green juice promotes balanced cortisol levels and helps manage stress levels. It's perfect for weight management and it helps detox your body of harmful toxins and we all know how important that is today. Organifi Red Juice is a caffeine-free energy boost provided by nature's five best antioxidant-rich berries plus four powerful adaptogens, including cordyceps and rhodiola, to promote natural and sustained stamina and endurance. Red Juice offers natural energy boost without caffeine, a high concentration of antioxidants to protect against free radical damage and inflammation, and a low-sugar sweet berry taste. Gold juice can be taken hot or cold in the evening, and gold juice eases your body into a calm, relaxed state with nine soothing superfoods and adaptogens like reishi mushrooms, turmeric, and ginger, all in a delicious nighttime tea. Get the rest and sleep that you need. Gold Juice offers incredible taste and aroma, promotes recovery while you rest, and is naturally calming with zero negative side effects. Plus, you get the travel packs of Pure included for a limited time with your Sunrise to Sunset kit. 
Clear your mind with this brain-boosting blend. Pure is made with natural compounds that help repair, protect, and feed your brain cells while addressing the gut-brain axis. Organifi Pure supports improved digestion, plus focus and clarity. Organifi Pure stimulates brain-derived neurotropic factor to help build new neural networks and keep your brain young. It supports learning, memory, and enhances cognitive function. Get your Sunrise to Sunset kit and your bonus pack of Organifi Pure by going to Organifi.com, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash C-H-E-K-20. And on checkout, get 20% off with your Living 4D discount code, CHECK20, all caps, that's capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 20. Enjoy. Now, the next question I have is is about supplements. You know, I think both of you know I'm not a big supplement guy. I'm more of a food, you know, a soil first, food, and then use supplements that support your overall diet, whether it be things like ashwagandha for stress relief or things that might you know, help calm you down at night after a day of stress. So instead of drinking a bunch of alcohol, try some, you know, magnesium mm. breakthrough, things like that. Um, I personally love things like um, some of the th- things that I take daily or I use bioptimizers enzymes because I just think I use them as proteolytic enzymes to clean my body. So I take, take them quite often on an empty stomach or if I feel like I've eaten something, I can feel my body's working to d- break down. I'll support it with some enzymes. Um, I love, uh, Paleo Valley's, uh, cider vinegar complex. I Mm. I think that's just a, a great supplement because of the myriad of benefits of cider vinegar. And then I love their new fish row product. Mm. Oh yeah. I love that. Yeah. My body digs that stuff. You get that sense of, "Mm, there's nutrition here. Uh, point being, you know, I, I don't work with any sponsor that doesn't make really high product, high quality products. But I was just curious because you guys use these products as well. Have you found working with people or in your own in your own bodies that there was key products that seemed to really be supportive of you? Absolutely. And I, when I'm saying this too, I also want to say how we've noticed it with kids too. Yeah. So we love the Organifi Red Juice Gold Juice. Green juice, the their new collagen. They have a new collagen powder, which is phenomenal, which it, we love. I have um, to check out what the ingredients are, see if I can eat it, because a lot of those things have beef collagen in it. Uh, I don't think it does. I think it's just all of fish. Okay, good. Yeah, wild-caught fish. Um, we really love those, especially with kids. Like, the you know, Mana loves the green juice. Zoe loves the red juice. Using the gold and the chocolate gold as, mm-hmm. as a sweet. Um, I also have some friends in my life where their kids, they love that. Mm-hmm. Paleo Valley is amazing. I mean, we have that on subscription. We have the meat sticks are great, especially when you're in a bind and you mm-hmm. still want that food that's still good to go to. <laughs> the meat sticks, the superfood bars. We have their organ complex. We have the fish row. And mm. with taking those two, especially for me, and like when I'm in my, like when I'm on my cycle and stuff like that, I notice a difference in my energy. I notice a difference with my hair. And then um, we love, you know, your new sponsor of Wild Pastures. We've been with mm. them for Great. seven months. And, you know, we literally love all three of those companies. We do use bioptimizers uh, a, a little bit. We use the mass signs and stuff like that, but heavily those three, especially a 
Paleo Valley's uh, bone broth. Oh, yeah. Chocolate, oh, yeah. The chocolate bone broth. That's mm. a great, again. The kids love that. Yeah, yes, sweet do. treat. We're having hot cocoa and stuff like that. And those have been things that we've noticed um, when we have clients. We also recommend those stuff to them. Um, and then, obviously, friends with kids. Like, those, those nutrient-dense foods that mm-hmm. are still quick to go on the grab, but can also get that sweet tooth. And we've used red juice and green juice as making popsicles and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. So... Different fun things, but but those have been the things we've really yeah. really have loved. We've yeah. even put gold juice in cookies. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. You know, the, the the reason I wanted to know is because one with the kids, as you both know, most of what shows up in kids' lunch boxes and snacks and what people feed their kids all day is disastrous, mm-hmm. and it only adds to that same everything that we talked about with media. And the behaviors it causes, it gets exacerbated by too much sugar, processed mm-hmm. foods, chemicals and foods. In fact, I've got numerous books documenting um, what happens when they test kids for food intolerance and then get processed sugar out of their diets mm-hmm. and processed food. And my reason for asking the question was for those of you that are parents listening because uh, and and for yourself, because everything that happens to kids happens to adults. It's that they just <laughs> they're they're just less sensitive because they're you know, bodies are more worn out, but kids, you know, react very quickly to almost any input. So I was just curious uh, to see what was working for you because I always love hearing that. I learned a long time ago that the most challenging part of coaching isn't giving people stretches, mobilizations, exercise, or diet and lifestyle advice. It's people's resistance to change. Can you guys share what your experiences have been with this regard and any tips you can share for the listeners that are having a hard time implementing behavioral change strategies that are necessary to heal, to look better, or to feel better? My big thing is focusing on the little wins and little changes is because I have people who will come in and they want to radically shift their whole life overnight and just completely flip it and change it. And and when they do that, it lasts a week and then they right. go back to the same old thing. And so it, it's taking the time to change things little at a time until it literally becomes a habit. And when you take it slower, that gives you time to notice what beliefs are coming up, what resistance is coming up, and you leave that space in your world to be able to look into it and deal with it and figure out where that belief came from. Yeah. And and so... And, and then when you celebrate those little wins, a lot of people, um, in my perspective, look at, I think, successful people and they think that it happened overnight or it happened in this one giant jump and it didn't. It happened because they showed up over and over and over right. and over and over again. And so those little wins and focusing on on the, the minor changes. I think the other thing that's really important that takes me a fair bit of effort to help Czech professionals get clear on is that, as you know, there's often a long laundry list of things that need to be changed once you complete an evaluation on somebody. Mm-hmm. So the most important thing is is looking at which one change has the biggest knock-on effect mm. regarding mm-hmm. all the challenges that they're facing. For yeah. example, if someone's sleep-deprived, that's affecting every part of their life. So before I'm going to throw supplements at people and give them complex programs with this mobilization that mobilization you got to do this at this time blah 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 it's really easy to throw the kitchen sink at people because you think you're trying to help them right Mm -hmm. so i what i found over the years of watching people coaching them seeing what they would do or could do or didn't do is okay if i'm going to coach more effectively i've got to make sure that they do the one most important thing first 
And they got to make sure they understand how that change is helping them achieve what it is that they want to achieve mm-hmm. instead of just telling them it's what I want them to do. If you implement one change, be it sleep or just take these digestive enzymes or just do this breathing exercise, then they actually know that that's the one thing they're doing different. And then they can really see, ah, when I do my centering breaths each day, like Paul or Kirsty or Michael asked me, I do feel calmer. I don't need as much coffee. I'm not as agitated. My temper isn't so volatile, etc. But when we throw too many things at them, it's hard to tell what's working. And so people may get changes, but because sometimes, you know, people can, you know, it's not unusual for people to have to spend a lot of money because they're having to change their diet. So they're going from commercial to organic food. So the cost goes up They're you know, you, as you guys know, some of these supplements are expensive. I mean, you get someone on uh, digestive enzymes, this specific vitamin combination, this mineral combination, you can end up easily spending $600 a month on supplements. So if they don't have a clear awareness of what's working, even though they're feeling better, they, they will often talk themselves out of continuing to spend the money which they wouldn't do if they say, oh, the digestive enzymes definitely do this for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. I definitely sleep better when I take, you know, um, this magnesium supplement or this C supplement, or I don't have as many colds when I'm using uh, this particular product right here. And so I think everybody starts to learn what is working and why it should stay into the program. But it, the one of the problems that, that, coaches and therapists have is they are often insecure that such simple programs mm. aren't um, worthy of the expense of the of the, the the fee that they're charging and so what they feel they feel obligated to pile shit on and, and make it look like look I'm changing your whole life for you but in reality that usually doesn't work very well so this is where the behavioral change component comes in. You know, the, the, a skilled therapist is really a, a skilled psychologist because you've got to work with these people to really look at what their habits have been in the past and why they've, you know, made the New Year's resolution to go to the gym 28 times and went for two days and then paid for the gym membership for a year but didn't use it and started down this, you know, you know the story mm-hmm. as well as anybody can know it. So I think, it's very, very important to keep it to something that's manageable so that there's not so much energy because one of the things that happens to people is if they have too many things to change and it's too much of a departure from their habitual lifestyle, no matter how bad it is, they get what Chip and Dan Heath call in the book switch control fatigue. Hmm. Oh, I've got to go to bed at this time. I got to get up. I got to go to the gym. I got to drink this water. I got to eat this food. I can't eat that. I got to take that out of my diet. I'm not allowed to have this. And they're looking, you know, oh, long list of things they got to remember. So they just get fatigued. It's just, it exhausts the mind. It's like an air traffic controller that's worked too many hours and he no longer has the energy to keep track of all these airplanes and someone ends up dying. In this case, what dies is the program. So I, I just think that um, the behavioral component is very, very important. Very commonly when I give lectures, mostly to medical and healthcare professionals, <laughs> I'll make a point to them. I say, okay, look, there's only four doctors you really need to know. And I talk about the four doctors. And I say, does anyone disagree with these four doctors? So far, nobody said no. 
I say, okay, how many of you are doing things that are not producing happiness for you in your life, but you keep doing them anyhow, even though you don't have to? Almost every hand in the room goes up. How many of you are eating shit you know that's bothering your body and causing you vitality problems, sleep problems, etc., sexual performance problems, and you keep doing anyhow? Almost every hand goes up. How many of you are over-exercising or under-exercising and you know it, but you keep doing it anyhow? Almost every hand goes up. How many of you are not getting enough sleep and you know it, but you keep doing it anyhow? Almost every hand goes up. I go, good. So isn't this interesting? You're all doctors and therapists and you're not doing any better than your patients are. So the question we got to get to now is why? And of course, my <laughs> workshops are about the why, mm-hmm. like, yes, like check life process alchemy, because that's yep. where I get to the why. Th- these people often don't really know how to go about the change process. So if the listeners are saying, oh, yeah, they're talking about me right now, what are one or two tips you can give to help them um, effectively embrace the change process? It's to be gentle on yourself, mm-hmm. understanding that. Once you bring an awareness to an aspect of your life that needs to change to push you into the optimal person you're supposed to be, understand that it may not happen overnight. And that change is going to come with certain types of resistances that you're going to meet up against. And Mm. it's okay to meet those resistances. It's okay to try and maybe fail a few times. You know, have that compassion for yourself and understand that you're doing the best you can with the resources and the knowledge that you currently have right now to improve your life. And so being gentle on yourself and just wholeheartedness with yourself. Right. Yeah. Mine comes down to your why. Mm-hmm. If it's not a big enough why for you to want want to change for, then look at your why. Like, yeah, which like, is your dream or your goal. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, you can sit there and say that you want this all day, but if you're still not making the actions or the changes of it, the first thing that I would start with is like, okay, why am I wanting to go to the gym? Am I wanting to go to the gym so I can impress my partners or am I wanting to go to the gym because I authentically want to feel good in my body? Right. You know, looking at that why, and then and then if you, let's just say you have a why that you feel solid on and you're grounded on and stuff like that, then that's when I think that that's when some real deep work comes in of looking at your programming. Yes. And your programming yep. around, you know, ages one through seven up to 12 of, okay, you know, maybe I eat food when I'm feeling extra stressed. And actually being honest and say, okay, where, where did that come from? When I was a kid, oh, well, anytime I had a test, my mom brought me food. Or anytime I had a very stressful situation, my mom can, you know, gave me food to make me feel better. And so I'm trying to make myself feel better with this habit that's a self-sabotaging habit now. Mm-hmm. And so when they're not changing taking a pause to reflect on what is the pattern that's actually happening and trying to break it down of where that came from Mm -hmm. and the belief that's driving it so they can rewire and relook at like, okay, is that serving me? Is that getting me closer to my dream? And if not, how do you want it to go? Yeah, it's very important because as you both know that a lot of parents create quite a stressful environment for children So when children are under stress a lot of time and they feel like they're constantly under pressure or um, just afraid to be a kid, then you give a kid a can of Coke and they get jacked up on sugar and all of a sudden they've got a chemical high 
So what happens is they do exactly what adults do. Adults come home from work and they got to drink wine, smoke pot, and you know watch whatever on television or whatever. But the the that's fine if you've had a great day of work and you're you're happy and and these are things that you enjoy. It's different if you have to medicate the life that you're living by creating an alternate reality, which is why drugs and alcohol get involved. It's like okay, I can. I can actually start living when I get home, but I have to take this drug to get me somewhere that is more enjoyable to be in than my head. And so if people come from developmental environments where they found that they could modulate their sense of happiness or their sense of levity or their sense of freedom by using sugar or certain types of foods or even drugs like alcohol then they continue to do that later when we're trying to coach them. And they don't realize that even though um, they're committed to losing weight or improving their digestion or whatever, they all of a sudden find themselves looking at a plate that's had two pieces of cake on it that's full of everything they don't want and only realize later that they did it unconsciously because it's now so deeply ingrained into them as a habit. So it's hard it's sometimes quite hard to get people to start paying attention. One of the things that I tell people, the first thing you want to do if you really want to get healthy is get everything that's not part of the program out of your house. Remove anything that shouldn't be in the house. Then the next problem you run into is, well, the husband might want to get better, but she doesn't, or she wants to get better, but he doesn't. I find it's far more often the women that want to get better and the husbands that are very resistant to the change. So then you, you know, I often have to bring, I find many, many times I've had to bring whole families in Mm. and say, you know, I got to coach all of you because if you guys don't do this together, then you're all going to suffer from the same problems in the long run. It's going to, it's going to be expensive and you're going to be uncomfortable. Hello, are you struggling to have the body you want, the energy you need, and the mental clarity to create the life you want each day? Are you noticing that your muscle definition isn't what it could be or suffering from chronic aches and pains and niggling injuries that get in the way of exercising the way you want to? If you need help with any of these common challenges or are ready to learn the most important simple daily practices to keep yourself and your family super healthy so you don't need to depend on the medical system to address your pains, then I have the perfect online training program for you. Having spent my entire professional career working with people of all walks of life and serving as a therapist, conditioning specialist, and consultant to numerous professional sports teams, Olympic teams, and committees, and a long string of the world's greatest athletes, I identified what everyone must learn and apply as essential steps to looking and feeling your best and drastically reducing the likelihood that your life will be complicated by unnecessary pain, fatigue, illness, or disease. I share all this information, which extends beyond what I share in my most popular book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, and show you practical tips for applying that information as well as what is in my HLC1, Holistic Lifestyle Level 1 online course, which I teach with my wife, Angie Check, a nutritionist, advanced practitioner of biogeometry, and a highly skilled shaman. If you are ready to take charge of your health, beauty, and vitality so you can efficiently achieve your goals and manifest your dream for your life each day, this is the perfect online training program for you. The learning objectives that we cover in HLC1 are 
learn to apply the one, two, three, four approach to developing long-term body-mind changes and how to apply the five essentials of program design. Learn to use your check nutrition and lifestyle questionnaires for assessing physiological load and making essential diet and lifestyle changes. Explore the fundamentals of how the health of the soil is the most essential factor in determining the nutritional density, cleanliness, and vitality within the foods you eat. Gain a first-hand look at what happens to animals and human beings when consuming processed foods and what Weston A. Price's research showed very clearly all the way back in the late 30s. I share simple tips for optimal nutrition that anyone can easily use to greatly enhance their health and vitality. You will learn how to evaluate your bowel movements and what adjustments to make to get your microbiome balanced and fully functional. And this ancient practice works as well today as it did long ago. And kids love learning to read their poops, making it more fun for them to practice being healthy and vital. Learn what food intolerance is, how it begins, and how inflammation of the gut system commonly leads to core dysfunction and greatly increased risk of injury when exercising or doing work that requires a functional body. Explore how to remove toxins from your body, your environment, and decrease the burden on your body so you look and feel better. Understand the relationship between the Czech Six Foundation Principles and body-mind stress. You will learn how to apply the Six Czech Foundation principles, nutrition, hydration, sleep, breathing, thinking, and movement to balance your body systems so you can exemplify well-being. Identify common roadblocks to success with diet and lifestyle modifications and gain simple solutions. Discover how and when to use the less is more principle of exercise prescription and how to use my work in exercise system to increase life force energy quickly and easily. When you realize how easy it is to harmonize your body, emotions, and mind, recover from stress faster, and deepen your spiritual practices, you'll be amazed. Work and exercises are so simple, anyone can do them, and they are as powerful as they are simple. If you are ready to have Angie Check and I personally guide you so you can create optimal health and well-being for yourself, your family, and so you can be an inspiration to everyone you know, I'd like to offer you a $25 discount on this important online training program, which you can get by going to chek.group, that's chek.group forward slash L number four D H L C number one. That's check.group forward slash L number four D H L C number one. Get your $25 discount by using the code L four D H L C one on checkout. This special offer ends August 1st, 2023. Enjoy HLC one. I designed that course so that anybody that's ready to be healthy can do it, wear it, and share it. Lots of love. One of the key things about change is letting people know that you don't have to change. But the most important thing you should do is be aware when you're making the choice not to change. In other words, you don't have to not eat the donut. But if you want to be in the program and practice, you look at the donut and you say, right now I'm about to eat something that I know is not good for me, but I am choosing to eat it and I'm aware that I'm eating it and I will stop eating it when I'm ready. Mm. Because then 
what happens is the person then doesn't feel so much pressure inside of themselves about I've got to change to please my coach or I've got to change or I'm going to die of diabetes or whatever because people don't really give a shit if they're going to die of something. That's that's a, a, a research fact. Um, there's a study I've often quoted. I don't know, it was probably it was around the time I was doing research for how to eat, move, and be healthy, but it was a study of, of uh, patients with uh, serious cardiac disease and all of them were diagnosed by their physicians that if they didn't change their diet and lifestyle, they had six months or less to live. And I can't remember. It was a pretty good-sized study, and they tracked these people. And then at the end of the study, a lot of them had died because um, they didn't change their diet and lifestyle. In fact, 95% of them did mm. not change wow. their diet and lifestyles and ended up dying. And so they went and interviewed the families and said, we're curious as to you know why you're father or your husband didn't quit smoking cigars or cigarettes or drinking alcohol or whoever it was. And the most common uh, reaction they got or response they got from the families when they interviewed them is things like this. My dad said he would rather die than not have his alcohol. Mm. Or my mom said she'd rather die than not have her cigarettes. Mm. So ultimately, they had become so identified with and, and so dependent upon those things as crutches to carry them through the stress that they weren't willing to manage or or deal with that they found it easier to die than to change their diet and lifestyle so when we're working with people like that as a therapist i would say okay you don't have to take the alcohol out but you just have to remember you're making a choice and at this point your choices are really important because your diagnosis is such that you don't have a long time to live but the point being is I've found that if you tell people, and Russell Sturgis brought this up when I interviewed him, so I was really impressed that he had also uh, figured this out. I figured it out by studying mindfulness training and, uh, and people like John Kabat-Zinn and people like Chip and Dan Heath uh, and various other behavioral change experts. I've studied a lot of them, B. of Skinner, all sorts of people. But if the person realizes that they are actually consciously making the choice and that they have the power to make the choice, first of all, I think the difference in the psychological pressure is already healing. Because if you eat it and you think you shouldn't be eating it and you're going against the wishes of your therapist or your doctor, now you got guilt and shame added to it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you got everybody in your family going, you know your doctor said you're going to die if you do that. So you got yep. everybody else after you, which just brings the stress levels up again. But if everybody understands that the first step of the change process is just becoming conscious of the fact that you have the power to say yes or no, which is free will. And then when you get to the point where you realize, okay, I'm not feeling much better when I keep eating these donuts and drinking this beer and whatever, then all of a sudden you find people start making the change because they are choosing to use their power and it's completely up to them. So that that's one of the tips that I've found really helpful and i'm sharing it not so much for you guys because i know you're hip to these things but for the listeners because you know right now in the world the you know isn't it a paradox we have the most expensive medical system in the world i recently looked up the stats on how much the average person in the united states spends a year on medical expenses you know how much it is Mm. 
I don't. I'm going to guess like I'd 10 guess, grand. I'd guess 25 grand. No, it's 14,600. Wow. wow. That's still a lot of dough. Wow. Well, what is there? 260 something million people in the United States? Yeah. Okay, multiply that by 14,600. You got a pretty freaking wow. huge big number. That you do. Right? And what's the point? The point is for $14,600, you could buy 140 hours of a skilled check professional to guide you at $100 an hour. Hmm. You could buy enough organic food to probably feed your family for probably, what, half a year. Yeah. Um, That's wild. You can make a lot of positive changes, right? Yeah. I mean, now the last time I did the research, it was 6,500. And that was when I was writing How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy around 2,000. So since the year 2000, in 23 years, it's gone from 6,500 to 14,500. That's more than double. That's incredible. Wow. Right? So, you know, we're in a very interesting situation. And isn't it a paradox that right now we've got the sickest people across the board, the most psychological pathology, the most anxiety, the most depression, the most suicide, the most obesity, the most heart disease, the most diabetes, and the list just goes on, Yeah. right? And, and we're supposed to have the best medical system in the mm-hmm. world. I mean, that's what American <laughs> doctors and therapists often convince themselves of. Um, and we used to be 30, 38th in the world. I think we've dropped to 64th in the world for, for actual quality of care. And so my That's point is, we, we need we need people to wake up mm-hmm. and, and get involved in, yes, in the do. world and start taking care of themselves, because we're never going to make the change we need to make in the world if we don't start taking care of ourselves, because if, if you don't have the energy to wipe your own ass and get yourself out of bed, you're sure not going to deal with the, you know, the issues of government and politics and environmental collapse and all that. You're just going to watch your TV show and eat your donuts and play dead mm-hmm. until you are dead. Yeah. And, or until you're in an electronic jail being used as a pin cushion. So anyhow, now you guys have your new program coming up. And I, I looked at what you shared with me. It looked fantastic. Very, very clean. Very, very well done. Um, just because we're getting toward the end of the podcast here, I mm-hmm. thought, you know, one of the reasons I, you know, I, I'm very selective of who I get on the podcast, as you know, and I get millions of requests. I mean, shit. I, I honestly, some days I get 30, 30 requests from PR agents, publishers, wow. and people themselves reaching out to me, uh, wanting people to be on the podcast. And so I'm very careful to make sure that nobody gets on the podcast that I don't think is a living example of what they do. And I've watched, you guys have, taking care of my kids better than anybody ever. And I've been in the gym with you guys many, many times. And I've watched you working with the kids in the obstacle courses. I've been in the gym goofing around with you on slack lines. And I, I've watched you guys manage yourself really well. And I see my kids are super healthy and they're far happier with you guys than they are with anybody else. In fact, um, the most common thing I get called in my house is Michael. <laughs> my kids, they're so in love with Michael that they forgot how to say daddy. And, they, and so it's Michael. And then, oh, oh daddy, I mean daddy. Yep. Um, which is beautiful. And, and we all feel very safe when our kids are with you guys. So 
you know, I know that you, Kirsty, you achieved world-class status as an athlete. Michael, you were her support system. I know you also are a good athlete because I also watch you train, and I know that you used to be a competitive uh, football player and sprinter and things like that. Yeah. So um, I know that you have the goods, and I know you eat, sleep, breathe, and shit these principles. Um, I haven't looked in the toilet, but I'll trust you on that one. <laughs> um, so I'm excited because I know that whatever you teach is going to work as well for anyone as it, as it works for my own family. And, and mm. you know, we pay you to help our family and we've doing it for two years now. And I, and I, um, we were talking the other day where so it's going to be a shitty day when we don't have Kirsty and Michael, because <laughs> there ain't going to be another one of them out there. Probably. I mean, this mm. is a very hard thing to find. I mean, the pe- amount of people we went through to find you guys was just a lot. So I know that whatever you're offering is going to be really, really helpful to people. I know you're very skilled, not only with, with adults, but you know it's a lot harder to guide children than it mm-hmm. is adults because yeah. kids are very all over the place and very. Yes, they are. They have no emotional regulation, and you know they can throw tantrums. And so, with that long-winded preface, what is your offering? What are you? What are you actually bringing to the world? What we wanted to create is is a group container you know one-on-one coaching is is beautiful and it's great but the way with group coaching what we really enjoy and we really like is it's one building a community you understand you're not the only person going through yes what what you're going through like uh, a lot of the time when when you're going through something it can you feel very isolated and or if you're the person who's purposely wanting to change and you don't have a dream team in your life that actually supports you right that's yep. a huge thing this we wanted to create a container where we could do such that and so this is really for anyone who's looking to become the best version of themselves if they struggle with bodily aches and pains looking to clean up their diet if they're looking to find their purpose if they're looking to have better relationships or maybe even find somebody that they can have a relationship exactly. with that shares yeah. those values that's a huge problem today yeah oh huge and learn huge. to communicate with that somebody that they want to find yeah yeah yeah, or or if you're wanting to be a better parent or wanting to be a better entre- entrepreneur, it really is, you know, it's that's why it's called self-mastery membership is it's becoming a master of yourself. And I feel like that that's a never-ending journey. It and is. so mm. how we structured this was doing a three different level tiers and we wanted to make it where it is affordable for every single person mm-hmm. to dip into where they want. And so level one is where they just get extended versions of podcast episodes that we do giving actual tools to help oh, are you, better their lives. Are you going to start a podcast? Yes. yes, we are. Oh, good. Yeah. I've been trying to promote you to be the Institute's podcast queen, <laughs> so it looks like they missed out. <laughs> yes, they did. And so, and so level one is, is where you, you get the extended versions, but you also get into the community. So we have an online portal where it's just the people within our community. So you can connect with other like-minded people who are going through it. And that literally starts at, with your discount, $22 a month. The next level up is what they get is they get our cookbook, which we recently came out with. I know. I saw it. It's very good. Mm -hmm. Of course, I already have tested (laughs) (laughs) and so with level two you get you get the extended versions you get access to the group you get the cookbook and you get bonus content so it's going to be 
putting in bonus content for you for you to extend on top of the information we are already giving to you so you can implement more or you and can And how work much is that job. level? That one's $52 a month Still with your very discount. Reasonable. Very we wanted to make That's it That's with it with the what's the Living 4D discount? The Living 4D discount is 20% off so that normally is $65 a month and your your following gets it for $52 a month. What's the normal for the lower level? $27. And then with the discount, it is? 22. Okay. And then the last level is level three, which I think is the most bang for your buck, is you get everything from the lower levels, the cookbook, the extended versions, the bonus content. But we also are offering bi-weekly group coaching calls. Yes, that's important. So this is when you can come live. You can ask your questions. You can come in. We are also offering a once a month, Michael is going to be running a men's group. And once a month, I am going to be running a female group. And so you can come in and you can come into those. And that's for $72 a month. But what we are also offering, which is really huge, is we are offering the first 15 people that do this, is we are offering them an HAQ overview, Mm. a nutrition and lifestyle overview, and a last four doctors of them filling out the assessments so Mm. we can do deeper work on them for them to take home and understand what's going on and they can bring to the group coaching calls to go deeper into those if they desire. Yeah, so even the most expensive was was how much a month for the most expensive level? 72 with your discount. So that's like only about a thousand bucks a year. Yep. Mm -hmm. People spend that much on Starbucks coffee and shitty beer. Mm-hmm. With what we've just been through for the last three years, I think we need more tribal mm-hmm. association. Yes. We need we need more anchoring with mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. And I think the more people that you can get into a group like that by keeping the costs lower, the more people we put out into the world that are living, breathing, walking examples of what's possible to other people. Mm-hmm. So I think that's good. I think that's extreme. I didn't realize that you guys were mm-hmm. were that cost effective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. We uh, wanted to make sure it was available for every single person that wanted to invest in themselves. There is literally no financial excuse to not invest in yourself if you are ready for it. And that's what you need to be if you are going to come in. Like you have to be ready to to show up for yourself and, and stuff like that. And we gave you a, a special link as well. So they literally can just click on the link and it's www.nextgenerationsfitness.com slash Paulcheck. Okay. And that will, I sent that over to you. And the discount's already included in that. So they literally just go to your landing page and Hit sign the up. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Uh, is there any closing comments that either of you guys would like to share? And by the way, that's the most cost-effective program by people of your skill level that I've ever seen anywhere ever Wow! because a lot of my students as you know there's a lot of them yes Mm -hmm. uh, have done programs like this Mm -hmm. and most of them are two or three times this price Mm -hmm. so well we've been I won't say burned but we've learned our own lesson with going through other group coaching um, containers to help improve ourselves and also working through the six foundational principles, the body doesn't recognize financial stress from physical stress. No. All stress is stress. Yeah. And so what we didn't want to do is increase the stress on the clients and the people that were looking to help by burdening them with a financial task at the end of the month just, yeah. to, just to get what it is we're giving them. And so this lessens that burden and lessens that load. And like Kirsty said, there's no excuse. 
for for the environment that we're in and the number of people that are really needing good advice and how completely and utterly bullshit the medical system is. And honestly, I tell people all the time, you walk into a physical therapy clinic, a chiropractic clinic, an osteopathic clinic, massage therapy clinic, a doctor's office, and you look at how many of the people that are supposed to be the experts on health are actually as bad or worse than their own patients. Mm -hmm. It's a bad idea. I'm like, my, you know, you've probably heard me say it before. My rule is if you can't coach or teach or be a therapist in your underwear, you don't belong (laughs) in the game because it hasn't worked for you yet. And I think people would pay a lot of money to see you too in your underwear. (laughs) Especially Kirsty. <laughs> yes. I'm old, but I'm not dead. <laughs> no, you're not. You're full of life, Paul. Well, you know, I got to stay. I got these kids to keep up to. Oh, and they, like you said, they got tons of energy. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I think the universe put them in my hands just to keep me in the game. Because honestly, by the time Mana came, the world was getting to be quite Groundhog Day to me. It's like, okay, mm. the same shit over and over mm. again. So... I was really ready to just go paint and smoke pot and celebrate that I did the best I could for the world. But <laughs> now I'm like, okay, I've got a full-blown education program because for mm. any parent today mm-hmm. to have kids going into this world, mm-hmm. it's like, are you out of your mind? Mm-hmm. It's like, these kids will see more change in 10 years than I saw in all 61 years of my life. Mm. Yep. No question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it ain't going to be a lot of it's not going to be good change. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're in a full-on fucking meltdown right mm-hmm. now. Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And, you know, it sure keeps you your relationship with God a lot tighter. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. yes, I'm, mm-hmm. I pray a lot more now. I mean, mm-hmm. I always prayed, but now I pray with much greater intensity. And, and the prayer is not, God, save me. It's God, how do I <laughs> do my best for the world right now so that if I do die... I know that I can go in peace because I did do my best. I didn't just sit around and Mm. drink and smoke myself into oblivion Mm. or give up or make stupid excuses. So I think that the other part of the the importance of this program is that it's, you know, we all, we do need all hands on deck Mm -hmm. and we, you know, it's I before we and we before all and the world problems are all problems. So if we can't show up on our relationships we're not going to show up for the world. And if we can't show up for ourselves, we're never going to show up in our relationships. Mm-hmm. So yep. I think getting together with people that are inspired to be healthy and have fitness and, and enjoy their bodies and have, you know, healthy sex and healthy play. And so quite frankly, this is the first time I'm actually seeing the price <laughs> of this and going, freaking hell, someone's getting a goddamn good deal. <laughs> I mean, how many, how, do, how many people can hire a world champion ninja warrior to coach them for, you know, twenty something dollars a month. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty friggin' good. And the bonus is they get us both. Yeah, yeah. they get, us, they get both. us both. Yeah, they get the yin and the yang. Yeah, absolutely. Funny <laughs> enough, the, the yangs in the yin body and the yins in the yang body. So, yep. Thank you guys. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Good job. Very grateful to be on the podcast. Yeah, my there. pleasure. And and you know, I've I've had time two years to study you guys and you've done very very well i love too that you're very honest in your relationship with each other in you know not running from your problems and spending time with each other figuring out you know how do we work through this and give each other space and i mean because you're pretty young kirsty how old are you 29 29 michael 31 31 i mean you guys are handling your relationship 
more like somebody who's been married for 12 or 15 or 20 years and has matured through a lot of deal breakers. Mm-hmm. Um, and in other words, you're, you're kind of like at it. Well, you guys have been together for a long time too, though. Yeah. yeah I met him when I was 15. Years. 15. Yeah. 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 I was 17. She was 15. Yeah. So you guys have been together about half mm-hmm. your lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm, this year. Well, thank you guys for joining me. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. We tried to talk about some of the real issues in the world with getting healthy, with kids, with you know the medical system, the food, the garbage, but what also about the possibilities, you know? And and man, you know, I have coached so many people. I've seen very, very unhealthy people come in when they're ready. I've watched people lose ninety pounds in six months without even really having to do too much. You know, just eat the right food. Some of these small changes we were talking about, you can see wild stuff. So if you really get the right coach and you're ready, the world can change very quickly. So I encourage you all to check out Kirsty and Michael's self-mastery program. And I am grateful that uh, you're with us and participating in the being the change the world needs. And I'm grateful for my sponsors for all their absolutely excellent products. I won't get involved in anything that I don't trust from my own experience and my family's experience. And thanks you guys for being the change in the world. And I look forward to sharing more with you next Tuesday. Aho, great spirit. It is done. It is done. It is done. See you soon. Thank you for listening to Living 4D with Paul Check and today's guests, Kirsty and Michael Pratt. Living 4D with Paul Chat listeners can get 20% off Kirsty and Michael's self-mastery membership program. Just go to nextgenerationsfitness.com forward slash Paul Check and no promo code is required to get your discount. That's nextgenerationsfitness.com forward slash Paul Check. You can also find their cookbook on this site, so make sure to grab your copy. Follow Kirsty on TikTok and Instagram at kirsty.pratt and follow Michael at michael.pratt. Note that Michael's name is spelled M-I-C-K-E-L. You can find Paul on Instagram and TikTok at paul.check, on Twitter at paulcheck or on his YouTube podcast channel, youtube.com forward slash living 4D with Paul Check. Watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com or visit the Czech Institute site at checkinstitute.com to find Paul's e-learning courses, advanced training programs, and to learn more about the Czech Academy. You can read the show notes and find links to the resources mentioned in this episode at checkinstitute.com forward slash podcast. This podcast would not be possible without the support of our premier sponsors, Bioptimizers, Paleo Valley and Organifi, and our newest sponsor, Ned. Please show your appreciation by taking advantage of their special discounts for listeners. The links are in the show notes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a warm review at the top of the show page on Spotify or at the bottom of the show page if you are listening on Apple Podcasts.